All right, well, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> uh, if you have your Bibles, go into Ecclesiastes chapter 12. <clears throat> All right, I know last morning of camp, <laughs> didn't sleep right, very well. Maybe some of you did. You guys were, woke up, students were excited about the snow, leaders, not so much because you're thinking about how to get down the hill, true? <laughs> yeah, let's be honest, <laughs> absolutely. <clears throat> so I'll do my part, you do your part, deal? Let's pray. Father, as we gather one last time together as a community, we ask the same thing. Would you please speak? Would you please teach? By your Holy Spirit, would you convict, would you encourage, would you transform and change us more and more into the likeness of Jesus? Jesus, again, we thank you for what you did. We thank you that you died for us, you came back from the dead. We thank you that your return is coming, and may we hold on to that. God, we want to hear you. Father, for those that maybe they still haven't surrendered to you, I thank you that you will not stop the pursuit. You, the hound of heaven, will continue, and I pray that you would hound them and bring them to a place where they would want Jesus, they would see grace. Oh, God, you are so good, and I pray that they see that. So, God, I pray you take a feeble attempt on my part to make much of you and do a great work. Speak as only you can. Keep my opinion and my agenda to myself. May it only be your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. amen. <clears throat> I wanted to... Before we get to Ecclesiastes 12, I just wanted to share the last few words of Ecclesiastes 3.15 to kind of connect with what happened last night. And just as a reminder, I remember when, when I was going through the notes of kind of the direction for their, where they wanted us, as those who were teaching, to, to go with camp. Um, there was a, a, part of this verse was in there, but the, the main ones were like 11 and 12, I think. When I kept reading, I got to 15 and I went, Wow. If that doesn't describe what Jesus did, um, man, I don't know what else does. It says this, God seeks what has been driven away. God seeks what has been driven away. And I stopped him when I was reading that. I was just like, wow, God, like, here I'm driven away. It's like, well, does that mean I'm the victim? No, but just picture sin. I'm entangled by sin. I'm dead in my sin. And Jesus came. He sought me. We got to remember Genesis chapter 3, that when Adam and Eve fell, they didn't run to God. Even though they sinned, they ran away from him. But notice that God is the one who initiated everything. It's not like once they ate the fruit that they then called out to God, we're so sorry that we want to make it right to you. They ran. For those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, you have to realize that you know Jesus because God initiated it with you. He called you. He went after you. He sought after you. Again, what does that teach us? Are we worthy of it? No. But to Jesus, we're worth it, right? He sought us out. So now we get into uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And the key verses for the morning are verses 13 and 14. But I actually want to start with, with verse 1. As a reminder to you, students, this is what it says. It says, remember also your creator 
in the days of your youth. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Young people, I don't ever want you to live this life with Jesus thinking, well, I can't because I'm not old enough. Friends, think about how often God loved to use the teenager. Remember when David took on Goliath? He's a teenage kid. He's like 15 or so, give or take. Remember Goliath? He's standing and he's mocking the armies of God and ultimately, therefore, mocking God, but he's mocking the armies of God and all the soldiers of Israel just sitting there going, I'm not fighting him. I'm not fighting. Even King Saul, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And here's this little ready, this little really teenager walking up. He brought food and stuff for his brothers. His dad sent him to the front line to check on his brothers who were in the battle. That is awkward. That's weird. I just can't imagine that happening today. There's this war. There's this battle. And mom and dad looks and goes, hey, go check on your brothers. You remember where they are? Yeah, just make sure they have some cheese and a burrito. It's like, yeah, get up there and make sure they have. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, but that's what's happening. David gets there and he hears Goliath mocking the armies of the Lord. He's like, who is this guy? Man, if I had my, if I had my way, I would destroy him. I would, just, I, would, I would take him. Then word gets back to Saul. And this is a weird thing. Saul's sitting there going, okay, I'll let this 15-year-old kid fight my battle. And so Saul tries to put his armor on him. And imagine David, he's just this small little guy. He's like, I can't move. I can't move. You're trying to kill me. I can't move. So he takes off. He goes, just let me do my thing. At one point, there was, there was a lion that came after our sheep, and I killed it. Dang. Guys, David's no wuss. Think about it. He could, he could jack up a lion. He jacked up a bear. He could write poetry and music. Ladies, this is the Renaissance man. <laughs> Am I right? You're like, dang, he can fight, he's strong, and he can write me a poem when he's done. How beautiful is that? So he just gets some rocks. And he has this little slingshot. Now, don't picture like a slingshot today. It's like, I'm going to beat you. Ding! It's not like that. So picture this little pouch and these other straps that go out. And you put the rock in and he just starts swinging it. Guys, it, for those who, are, who were well-versed in this, when they let the, when they let the, the rock go, it's like, leaving, it's like leaving at the speed of what a 22 rifle would send a bullet. Like this is quick. This is hard. So David shows up and he pretty much looks at Goliath and says, you know what today, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to kill you and I'm going to chop off your head. Guys, that is a fantastically weird day. Isn't it? I've never, and as a high school, I never had that opportunity. Never. It wasn't in, it wasn't in the cards for me. And so then he comes down, and then, and then of course, uh, Goliath trash talks, and then David trash talks back, and then he goes, wham, and the, it says the rock sunk right into his forehead, boom, knocks him to the ground, and he takes out Goliath's sword, hacks off his head, and put his head in a bag, and took it, and that's where David got weird. Isn't that weird? He took his sword, I get that, but then you take his head. And then the Israelites go after the Philistines, and we know the rest of the story. But can you imagine David going home after that? Has a sword, a new sword, and then has this bag. And you imagine him getting home, and mom's like, hey, how are they? Oh, they're good. How was your day? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was really good. What'd you do? I don't think you want to know. What's in the bag? You definitely don't want to know. Where'd you get the sword? That's connected to the bag. You don't want to know. 
15-year-old kid. And when God decided to come as a human, the Son of God came as a baby. He picked the womb of a teenage girl. Friends, if anyone ever looks at you and says that you're too young to be used by Jesus, it's because they're too old. However, what it does not mean then is this, then I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Nope, because God has put over all of us, myself included, those who have leadership responsibilities over us. See, to be used by God means we're going to work as a team, as a body of Christ. We're going to work in submission to those that God has placed over us to care for us and to look out for us. This isn't, I'm on my own, I'm, on, I'm independent. No, the body of Christ. Guys, think of, how, think of how close that is. I've heard people say, we're the family of God. We are the family of God. But we're even tighter than that because we're the body. We're the body of Christ. So we do things together. We live life together. We walk through as disciples together. But you do not have to start once you reach some specific age. Walk now deeply with Jesus. So when, when Solomon says, when he says in verse uh, 1 again, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Friends, as you go down the hill, take what you've learned and apply it. But here's the thing. Up here, we're like, oh my gosh, this is the best feeling ever. It must be Hume. Like once you come around the corner and you see the lake, once you come around and you see the lake, the Holy Spirit is just there. It's like you walk, it's like you're driving through a blanket. And I know that's where God lives. Friends, God's residence, you know where it is? Followers of Jesus, he's in you. And then there's not one square inch of anywhere in all of creation where God is not. But what does he pick? He picks our bodies, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So here, beautiful things happen here. Just like beautiful things will happen at home. And what do you do? Think about all that you've done different is this. Up here, you're not on your phone as much. You're reading the scriptures. You're worshiping with other believers. You're talking through the deep thing, deeper things of the faith. You're in prayer. You're playing together. There were some ladies yesterday, I was, I was staying over in Whispering Pines, and I don't know where you are, if you're, even if you're awake, but I watched, as I, I think three or four of you, you know, down the, where y'all did the box sled blitz down that hill, and then there's a tree with a big padding on it, I saw you guys just run and then jump into it. <laughs> like, you're like this, and you're like, bam! And I thought, like, the first one did, and I went, oh. But then the next one did it. And then the first one just started doing like karate. He's like, bam, bam, like this is, I should go out and spar. <laughs> but then I'd afraid, I was afraid to get jacked up. But I just thought, it's like, and <laughs> 49 guys, at no point the whole time I've been here did I look at that padding and go, I just want to run myself into that sucker. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure I'd break something. But even that, I was sitting there going, how fun. Well, for them. And for me to watch that, but even that playfulness, I mean, have you ever just been at home going, I just want to run into that tree? Yes. You have? Wow, okay, that's awful. That's awful. <laughs> so, but I thought, here you are, here you're playing, you're boxing bits, and you're doing broom hockey and all these things, and it's just, you get away from the normal, but what I don't want you to do is go back to the normal as if nothing can be different. Go back and make what happened up here make happen down there. You spend time with the Lord in the Word. 
And if you don't know how to do it, walk up to your youth pastor or youth leader and just ask them, hey, can you show me how you spend time with God in the Bible? Which means this, youth leaders, I'm really praying that that's what you do on a daily basis. And then you can actually show them how to do it because I want to tell you, I want to encourage you and maybe challenge you. Leaders, if you're not spending time with the Lord, you're not ministering in a full way. You're running on empty and you're giving at best the kids yourself rather than Jesus. Your time alone, and friends, take it from me, because I used to make my time alone with the Lord optional because I was so important. But the last eight or nine years, give or take, it's every morning. It used to be, if I've got some time, and then I got too busy, oh God, you understand how busy I am. Isn't it weird? We actually think that God created us for ministry more than he created us for himself. So leaders, I just want to encourage you, make your time alone with the Lord non-negotiable. Because when you do, he will fill you and your kids, the thing they need most, not our messages, not the events we put together, the things they need most are leaders who love Jesus most. Because when you love Jesus most, you will love your students best. Does that make sense? And I pray, I pray it comes across with a humble heart and love because I've just been there. Oh, but the difference when you walk with Jesus in ministry, oh, it's so much better. So now we move to this last part in Gen or not Genesis, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. The end of his journal. Why skip? Because most of the rest of his journal is just repetitive of what he's been saying. In verse 13, he says, The end of the matter is this. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. He says, when it comes down to this, let me just summarize what I've learned from all the things I've experienced and what it is that I want to do, fear God and do what he says. That's it. Fear God and do what he says. And this is where we might sit and go, well, what's it mean by fear God? Like, I'm not afraid of God. Like, I'm not supposed to fear him. He's supposed to be a good father. He's supposed to be loving and caring, and he is. But isn't it amazing that we actually want to kind of justify why we're not afraid of God? Guys, I'm convinced. We're supposed to be afraid of God. This fear of the Lord is true and real. So when you say, I'm not afraid of God, think about it. We're afraid of the dentist, but we're not afraid of God. The God who created everything, the God who's massive and mighty, the God who, think about it, every time that God kind of shows up in some way, everyone's terrified. When the angelic beings show up, people freak out. And so when people say, well, the fear of the Lord just simply means a healthy respect, I'm sitting there going, healthy respect? Maybe it's something more than that. Maybe it's that included with something else. Because when you look at that word in the original language, to fear the Lord, the word fear means to be terrified of. So how do we walk with this God that we're terrified of and still see him as this good father who invites us and says, and Jesus says, come to me? Guys, let's stop using words that really don't make sense. I fear God, but I don't. I fear, I'm not afraid of him at all. I just respect him like I do anybody else that has authority over me. Guys, I don't think it's supposed to be like that. So in Matthew chapter 17, we're going we're to land in this for a little while. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 1, it says this. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Guys, you know how often Jesus would go away to pray by himself? It was all the time. 
And can you imagine as he's going, it's late at night, and he's looking at his disciples, and he's sitting there going, uh, Peter, James, and John, why don't you come with me? And they, they come up, and he's like, where are you going? I'm going to go pray. And they know what that meant, because sometimes Jesus would spend all night in prayer. So they're sitting there going, oh, every time, maybe, every time, we, every time we go, we just fall asleep. Like, he should pick Judas. That boy needs some help. He could really use some help. He needs the extra time with Jesus. Maybe they've gotten used to Jesus. So to go do this again and kind of go through the motion and like nothing's really coming from it. It's like, do we really have to? And followers of Jesus, I want to ask you, do you kind of feel the same way? It's like, well, I read the Bible and I keep reading the Bible, but it's not that standing out. I don't feel like there's this exciting mountaintop experience moment. And so some of you have given up on that because it's just not working for you. But what if, what if that one time that that thought popped in your head, I should read the Bible, but you didn't, what if that one time was that time where Jesus was going to reveal himself in some way that left you amazed, just like this? What if these three said, no, I don't want to do it? You know what they would have missed out on? This experience with Jesus, that he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. No other disciple got to experience this, but the three that said, yes, I'll go do the mundane, the things that seem mundane, I'm used to. I'll go do that with you. And because of that, they got to see Jesus in this way. It goes on in verse 3. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Now it just got a little more weird. So Jesus' face is shining like the sun. Has anyone ever just got up and just stared at the sun? Oh, wow. Because if you, if you said yes, I was going to say don't do that or get a life. But it's like, I, like, don't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. But like, think about how bright the sun is. 93 million miles away, that's how far the light has to travel to get to us. 93 million miles. Guys, we can't stare at that long. And, and, and Matthew's writing down, okay, so tell me about it. And whoever told him, he's like, it, his face shone like what? Like the sun? His clothes became white like lightning? And then who showed up? Moses and Elijah? And he's writing this all down. Why Moses and Elijah? It doesn't say in the passage. This is my conviction of why. Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. All the law and the prophets point to Jesus. Moses and Elijah, and I love what it says, it says uh, what they did. Verse 3, they appeared to them, Moses and Elijah, talking with him. That's it. What did they do? They just had a chat. Friends, for those that sit there, maybe, maybe you haven't prayed often, or you're like, how do I pray? You just chat with God. Let's just keep it simple. Like, you don't have to impress him with all the Asian words. You don't have to praise him with all the names that you know. Father, God, creator of the heavens and the earth, Alpha, Omega, beginning and end. Just go through all. I want to thank you for glorification, sanctification, justification, flatulation. Like all the ancient words we can think of, we just throw them out there. It's just like, because I'm trying to impress. Look at my vocabulary, God. And maybe God's just sitting there going, I prefer just your heart. You just tell me what's going on and you can tell him about anything. It's not just something that you're freaked out by or need help with. You can tell him about anything. It's like, well, Brian, he already knows. Why should I tell him? And now you've missed the point of prayer. The, prayer your, the point of prayer is not for us to inform God about anything. It's just to relate with him. Example, my boy's grown up, and maybe, I don't know, um, maybe, maybe some of you guys watch these shows, Power Rangers. Okay, you grew up watching Power Rangers, right? I kind of know the theme of every episode. It doesn't change. So I remember watching the first few, and the acting is questionable. The writing, it's like, I think they're just making it up as they go. 
But I mean, the kids just drawing. They go, oh my gosh, I'm the red one. I'm the blue one. It's like they're all in. So my boys are watching, and then so I, I watched a few, and and I I would sit them because I love them, but I don't love the show. I just don't entertain by it. So I'd be off at work, and I'd come back, and one of them would say, Dad, Dad, do you know what happened to Power Rangers today? And in my head, I'm thinking, Yep, I do. I didn't look at my boys and say, yeah, the same dumb stuff. I know what happened. Don't tell me. It's fine. Oh, they heard it. Oh, they're acting all weird. And then this weird guy shows up, and they got to fight him, and then they're fighting. They're kind of winning, and then they start to lose because he gets bigger, and then all of a sudden they come to get bigger, and then they fight. He gets jacked up, destroyed. Then all of a sudden at the end, they have really bad acting, and it ends. Is that it? I didn't say that. They said, Dad, did you see it? I said, I didn't. I was at work. Let me, can I tell you what happened? You know what I said? Hold on. And I pull up a chair. I go, tell me everything. <laughs> Why? Because I just loved when my boys wanted to talk to me. Welcome to the joy of prayer for God. Even though he knows everything, he just loves it when we talk to him about anything. Just chat with him. They just showed up for a chat. In verse, uh, verse 4, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we're here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Isn't that weird? Like Peter's like, it's so good we're here. Your face looks awesome. And those new clothes, solid. I think that's a huge fashion statement. Moses and Elijah, wow. Love to get your autograph later. I got an idea. Let me make you three tents. Three tents. Jesus, you get one. Moses, you get one. Elijah, you get a fireproof one. <laughs> Read up on that. You'll figure out what that is. <laughs> really? Like, like Jesus and Moses and Elijah, Mo, they're all having this chat and they just want to camp? Why would he say it? We'll see it later on. But, this is, but he interrupts everything. Hey, it's good we're here. Let me set this up. In other words, hey, could we stay here as long as possible because we get this mountaintop experience that nobody else is getting? Can we just stay here? Can we just stay here? I'll set everything up so we can just stay here so we can stay in the experience. Does this sound relatable to anybody else in this room right now? Can we just stay right where we are, not go back to anything? Just right here. Jesus, you, me, Moses, and Elijah can show up. Elijah left in a fiery chariot. He can come back in a fiery chariot because then you don't have to put chains on it. Like, this is the best thing ever. Let's just stay here and keep experiencing this goodness. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. And how many of you have that same thought going through your mind? Brian, I'm afraid to go back. Can we just stay here? Friends, the beauty of Jesus, or at least part of the beauty of Jesus, is that he doesn't leave you here. It's like he doesn't, I'm sorry, he doesn't leave you alone and stay here. He told his disciples, and we'll look at this at the end, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. God said in Joshua, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's always with you. He goes with you. He'll bring you to what it is you're afraid of. He'll bring you through what it is you're afraid of. I promise. It goes on. He was still speaking, verse 5, he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, now just stop there for just a second. Like, for some of you sit there and go, what did the cloud say? Have you ever asked that question ever? Guys, what did the cloud say? What did the, what did the cloud say? First, like, don't let this pass by. 
As Peter's speaking, hey, I can make three tents, and all of a sudden this cloud shows up and starts to descend. And all of a sudden from the cloud, a voice comes. And this is what the voice said. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. It's like the father was saying this. You see this one whose face is shining like the sun? Yeah, that's my boy. You got used to him. You got used to him. So he's stretching a little bit. He's stretching some of his glory. This is my beloved son, and I'm so pleased with him. And let me, let me, do, let me give you this advice. Peter, Peter, listen up. Just listen to him. In other words, shh, stop talking. Listen to him. Followers of Jesus. What would we do if we had this experience of all of a sudden Jesus' face is shining like the sun when you sit there and go, man, i got to get a selfie with that guy. Have we become so used to him that we're not in awe of him anymore? I mean, think of all the things that they had seen up to this point, all the miracles that Jesus had done, all the things that he had taught. I mean, Jesus giving sight back to the blind and hearing back to the deaf and healing paralytics and helping them walk and run and feeding 20,000 plus people with a little boy's lunch, raising people from the dead. They've watched all this. And when Jesus' face is shining like the sun and he's standing in his glory, the thing that Peter thinks is, I should make some tents rather than to bow down in awe and worship of him. And so it's as if maybe the father had to remind him, hey, 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 listen, that's the son. And I'm so pleased with him, so listen to him, Peter. Look at the response. Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were what? Terrified. Terrified. Why would they be terrified? Well, first, Jesus' face looks like the flippin' sun. Secondly, Moses and Elijah showed up for a chat. Third, now, this is, this is the last part I think really brought the terrified part in. Here's this cloud descending, and from the cloud a voice comes. Those three are thinking of Bible study days back in the day. When they're little, all the stories, remember? Remember Moses? Moses would go into the tent of meeting and this cloud would descend. And the cloud was a representation of the presence of God, that God would speak to him and they would talk face to face as friends in the tent of meeting. But the cloud descending meant, oh my gosh, this is God. God is showing up and as it continues to descend, all the disciples are freaking out, especially now that a voice is coming because they're thinking, if that's God, God is speaking and he's coming, man, we can't live because we will die in his presence. They're terrified of what's coming. That God is terrifying. And then watch this, verse seven. But Jesus came and touched them saying, Rise and have no fear. Don't you think that's a little easier said than done? I mean, think of the experience they're just having. They think they're going to die. They just soiled themselves. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to do it. We're done. We're done. We're done. And then Jesus comes along. Doesn't say there's any more cloud. Doesn't say his face is shining like the sun. Seems like Moses and Elijah took off. Elijah picked up Moses. They took off in a chariot. I don't know how it happened, but they're gone. And Jesus comes up and touches them and says, don't be afraid. Friends, that's the fear of the Lord. That I could look at God and go, okay, you are beyond me, and I don't know even how to talk to you. And then to hear Jesus go, yeah, I know I'm amazing and awesome, but don't be afraid. Why? Because God is for us and not against us. He's for us. 
Guys, you know how solid it is to have God, the creator, the all-powerful God of the universe, as our father? To look at God and go, okay, he's, I'm with him. He's with me. I got a little bit of time. Um, growing up, my dad was a cop growing up. At the time, he was like 6'4", about 280, big guy. And he carried this 357 Magnum, the six-inch six barrel 357 Magnum. This thing was like a cannon. That was his duty weapon. And I remember, there was a day I was like, I get to go on a ride along. I get to go with my dad. And in my head, I'm thinking partner the whole time. I'm a partner. Like, I'm, do I get a vest? What do I get? What do I get? And of course, my mom's like looking at my dad. You take care of him. I'm looking at my mom. Don't worry. Partner. At that time, I was like maybe a, I don't know, yellow belt. I got him. We're good to go. So I remember doing all these things, and I remember his, whatever the number that was assigned to him, like 72 or 73, I always had to listen for that. He would say, pay attention because they were going to be called to something. So I remember he got called to something, but it was when you get that number and other ones that are going to something, it's a big deal. And it says, 73, 74, 75, go to bar fight. And I'm sitting there going, yes, I've never been in a bar fight. Like in my head, I'm like, I'm a partner. Of course I get to go in and just jack up some people. So we show up, he starts to get out of the car. I try to get out. He's like, stay here, don't move. And he closes the door and locks me in. I'm like, partner. I look like a puppy. Partner. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden he comes back with a new friend. <laughs> put him in the back seat, but it's still going on. The fight's still going on. But he put him in the back seat. And I know there's a cage here. Slams the door, looks at me, says, stay here. Runs back in. <laughs> and the guy's breathed. <laughs> and all I hear is, <sighs> I'm going to eat you. Like, I'm, I'm hearing all that. <laughs> and what I'm picturing is like X-Men coming through the cage and just ripping open my esophagus and slapping me with it. Like, I was just picturing it getting really bad. That's a heck of a visual. Here. <laughs> That's it. That's how I'm going to close. God bless you. I'm just joking. So then all of a sudden he comes back and it's all over and he gets in the car and I'm sitting there terrified. I'm like, finally, he's here, which showed I wasn't ready for a bar fight. And he sits down, he puts the car in drive, and all of a sudden the guy back behind him starts talking to me. Not like pretty words either. And all of a sudden, my dad goes, don't you dare talk to my son. And this was my response. Yeah! You want some of this? <laughs> I'm like 10. <laughs> Why did I do it? Because all of a sudden, I was big and bad? No, because my dad was. Friends, I can approach anything in life because my, because my dad is big and bad. Like, he can handle anything. When he says, I don't want you to be anxious about anything, do we take him up on that? Or do we tell him why it's, why it's necessary that I should? Here's the disciples freaking out, and it's rightfully so. They're terrified of what's coming, and then Jesus comes and touches them. He says, no, 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 no. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
God is for us, friend. Not against us. He's for us, not against us. And then watch this. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Everything's gone. It's just Jesus. No one else is there. Just Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus enough? Or do you need Jesus plus? Friends, it should never be Jesus plus anything. Jesus should be everything for us. And everything that comes with knowing him is blessing and wonderful, but not necessity. It's him. Just him. There's no more lights, no more smoke, no more descending cloud. Jesus' face is back to normal. Prize clothes are back to normal. Moses and Elijah are gone. It's just Jesus. Not the experience, just him. Let me ask you, friends, is he enough? Because if we're, if we're just basing this whole thing on how we feel, and I'll follow Jesus. I love this feeling. I'll follow Jesus. I got to ask you the question. Is it Jesus you're following and worshiping? Or is it the experience that can come with it sometimes? Because if it's the experience of following Jesus, when it's not there, not if, but when it's not there, will you then bolt? Because you'd rather worship the experience of Jesus rather than just Jesus. The greatest thing that you can do, students, love Jesus with everything you have. Love him. Fall in love with him. How do you do it? Spend time with him in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Brian, that's boring. What else do you want me to tell you? I want to tell you. That's how you relate with God. You speak to him and you listen to him. You speak to him and you listen to him. Get involved in service. Be involved in worship. Be in your youth group. And then be on mission. Live a, live a life of mission. But if you sit there and go, yeah, Jesus is worth it, don't you think he's worth your time to sit and read and pray? Start there. In Psalm 90, verses 9 to 12, for all your days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Sounds a lot like Ecclesiastes so far. Verse 11, who considers the, powers of, the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So, because of this, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. In other words, would you teach us, God, how you want us to live? That the dash between the start date and our end date actually matters. Would you teach us how to live? What's worth it? I'll close with this passage. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He's getting ready to ascend. And he looks at his disciples and he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, what he's saying is, is I have all the might and I have all the right. I'm in charge. There's no one equal to Jesus. Whether or not you agree with that, like you may sit there and go, I don't follow Jesus. It doesn't mean that he's still not king. It just means that you haven't submitted to the king yet. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. He says, because I have all, all the might, all the right, I want you to go and make disciples. But here's the thing. The way that Jesus is, the way that it's worded in the original language, what Jesus actually really said was not, therefore, go. We think of go as that, that's the verb and make is the verb. Guys, how it's re really worded is this. Therefore, in your coming and in your going, make disciples. 
Wherever you go, make disciples. Friends, I love when I hear the students are going on a short-term mission trip somewhere, but do not neglect the true mission field that you've been placed in, which is your zip code. It's amazing that we can get so excited about going somewhere else, and then we come to our zip code, it's just home, and we're just waiting for heaven. Charles Spurgeon said this old-school pastor from back in the day said, every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. I think, I think maybe we've misused the word missionary, that it's just those who need a passport to go and share Jesus. And God bless those who do that. And if you feel called to do that, wonderful. But those who don't, you are a missionary because you're a follower of Jesus. And this call, this charge to go and make disciples is for every single follower of Jesus to be engaged in. Go make disciples in your coming, in your going, wherever you are. Every day we should be asking the Lord, God, who's the one today you want me to impact? Who's the one? So tomorrow when I get home, hey God, who's the one you want me to impact today? Tuesday, God, who's the one you want me to impact with the gospel today? I should be looking at God, always, constantly asking, God, who's the one? I want to be on mission with you rather than just wasting the dash. I want to be obedient to you because you're worth it. And I want people to come to Jesus because I know how you've changed me. And I'm not deserving of it. And no one else is. And oh, how amazing grace is. Followers of Jesus, the call to make disciples is not optional. But what incredible, what an incredible invitation to be involved with what it is that God is doing. Because Jesus is in control, he says, go, and you're coming and you're going, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey. All that I have commanded you. Guys, I think it's in John 14 and 15 where Jesus says this, I know those who love me by those who obey my commandments. It's not by those who have an experience or feeling, man, I just feel a lot of love. I just love Jesus. I love him. I feel love for him. Now, you can have that, but if you're disobeying, you're con- I mean, you are living in sin, denial, pushing the guns. Guys, I know we'll all sin. I get that. But for you to constantly, knowingly push against and sin, live in sin, and yet then claim that you love Jesus, you're lying you cannot love Jesus if you're not living in obedience to Jesus. You say, they go, oh, just a bunch of rules and regulations. Really? It can be summed up in this. The greatest commandment is what? Do you remember? For those who have been around in the church for a while, the greatest commandment Jesus was asked, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with everything you got. That's the greatest commandment. Out of, all the, out of this fatty old book, the greatest thing God wants from us is what? Just love him with everything. Love with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Oh, a second one? Kind of like it. Love people. Friends, do those two things. And what have you done? You've lived out the scriptures. You love God. It's like, well, it can't be that simple. Friends, if I truly love God, I'll do what he says. And then love people. And then go make disciples. So pretty much we just do the two greats. Do the great commandment and the great commission. Friends, I promise you this. Oh, what a ride. What a ride. I'm humbled that God still lets me do what I get to do. And not just behind this. Guys, God opens doors when we step out. 
I used to live this way. Well, I'm a pastor and I preach the word all the time. I'm being bold. But I'd sure be quiet when I wasn't behind a pulpit. Uh-oh, is this going to stick somewhere with some people? Man, I could be bold here. But when I come away from this and I'm just driving around or walking through a supermarket and maybe God puts it on my heart, I want you to go tell him about me. Oh, crud. Well, if you bring him on Sunday morning, I will. Why? Because I'm a pastor. I'm always talking about Jesus. Guys, in the last few years, I was, I've been so convicted by that that I'm a, I should be a disciple of Jesus before I'm a pastor for Jesus. If I'm only bold behind the pulpit, I'm not bold. This is easy. To be bold and to be gracious. And so this is how I try to start the conversation. And it's freaky at times. And I still get a little nervous. I haven't overcome it all yet. But I've never gotten anyone, no one's ever gotten mad when I've asked this. And maybe it helps. I'm kind of a bigger guy, maybe. I'll walk up because I feel like the Lord's going. I'm like, okay, here we go. Hey, I know this is a weird, I know this is going to sound weird. But I'm a follower of Jesus. Is there anything I could be praying for you about? I've never had anyone give me the finger for it. I never had anyone scream at me, cuss me out, nothing. I've had some people go, um, oh, yeah, pray for world peace. I'm like, okay, yeah, you don't mean it. But what it does is it opens the conversation. I remember I was at the gym. I, was, I think I told somebody this a little bit ago. Um, I was at the gym. I went into the sauna. I don't know why. I'm just supposed to go in there and sweat. I thought, well, let's just do that. So I'm just sitting there. <laughs> There's this guy there. He's just sitting there, and he just got done swimming, so he's just sitting there on a towel in his swim chunks. And I'm like, I don't usually talk to men like this. We can do this outside. We'll get a burger or something. But just sitting here sweating in the room is weird. And then this thought pops in my head. Ask him if you can pray for him. I'm like, dang it. I was really hoping you weren't paying attention to this. So I looked at him and said, hey, you know, this sounds weird. I'm a follower of Jesus. There's something I could be praying for you about. Guys, I don't, I don't, I've never met him. I asked him one question. And his first response was this. Could you pray for my wife and I? Because our 19-year-old son died eight months ago. And I sat there in my head thinking, that's not what I was expecting. And I said, well, I'm so sorry. I said, I appreciate you telling me that. I said, are you a follower of Jesus? And he said, yeah, we, we follow the Lord. I said, oh, praise the Lord. I said, of course I'll be praying for you. Parents, isn't that like the worst thing you could think of having to endure? I didn't know this guy from Adam. I asked him one question, and he opened up his soul. Friends, you can do that. And then go where the Holy Spirit leads it. And if he leads the person to come to Christ, beautiful. If they already know the Lord, at least you obeyed. And you may sit and go, but Brian, this is too big. Like, we can't do this. The whole world? Start with your zip code. What if he's just saying, where you live, do that. And the other people who live in a different zip code, they'll do that. I think it's high time, friends, that we stop thinking that the only place that ministry happens is on a church property. And we get outside of the building, we release every single follower of Jesus to go and make disciples. Think about it. If every follower of Jesus in the United States of America would share Jesus one time this week with someone, and then we do that every week one time, Friends, people in the United States of America would hear about Jesus many times throughout the year, but we don't because we need 
We need the pastor or the leadership to tell us what to do, when to bring them to something because they'll tell them about Jesus because I can't do it. Friends, I'm gonna tell you this. You are, by the, you are filled by the same exact Holy Spirit that I am or any other Christian leader is, any other preacher is. You can be and, want, and the Holy Spirit wants to use you just like any of us. The Holy Spirit is in you. The power of the Spirit is at your disposal. God wants to use you. And God forgive us who are in leadership that we've robbed you of the joy because all we do is tell you to bring them to something. Rather than, hey, instead of bringing them to something, bring them to someone. Bring them to Jesus. And let us be supplemental to what he's doing through you. Friends, there is nothing that can stop you. How do I know? Because the last thing that Jesus said to them was this. Oh, and by the way, I'll be with you to the end of the age. You should then go, okay, I know he's God, but guys, think about it. Jesus, there's one thing that Jesus kept on his body after he resurrected from the dead. Do you remember what it was? His scars. I think he kept all of them, though. I think not just the ones that are in his wrists and his feet. I think he kept all of them. That Jesus who was dead is now standing before them, telling them that I have all the might, all the right. I'm in charge. This is what I want you to go do. And you're like, I don't know if we can do it. And then maybe he just pulled back his sleeves and goes, oh, and by the way, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. If I can take on death and I'm going to be with you, then church, we are unstoppable. Then why are we stopping? We go and we tell people about Jesus and we show grace and love and we speak truth and we care and we're generous. We show them Jesus. We want to see revival in our nation. It starts with the church. We bring the revival as the Holy Spirit does something. As you can do this. We can do this. Why? Because we're great? No. Because Jesus, who is, in us by, who is in us by his Holy Spirit, he is great. Friends, if he could kick death in the face and come back from the dead, he can handle anything. And he's the one who says, go and do this. And by the way, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Guys, we can do this. Fear God. Do what he says. That's the summation of all of life. Fear God. Do what he says. Can I pray? Can I pray for us? Father, thank you for the reminder that I needed. Don't give up. I needed it. Don't give up. There's a world that so desperately needs Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us. I pray that we would know that we have the power of the Trinity at our disposal. You would fill us with your power. You'd fill us with your grace and your words. That you would send us out. You would show us who's the one every single day. Would you fill us with grace? Would you help us to not be ashamed of your truth, of your gospel? Would you help us to be gracious toward people, patient toward people? If they ridicule us, we don't ridicule back. We continue to love. God, help us to be, help us to be the people that you designed us to be. Better yet, designed us to be and renewed us to be when, when, you, when you introduced yourself to us and we surrendered. And Holy Spirit, you came in and changed us. God, may we look so different that the world wants what we have. Help us be effective for your kingdom. I pray your blessing over each student here, each youth worker, each youth pastor, and Hume Lake staff member. Holy Spirit, would you anoint them for the perfect work that you have planned for them since before time began. 
son, thank you so much that you invite us into this. You're worth it. And I thank you that you deem us the same. God, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Jesus said, amen. Love you all more than you.